0: Welcome to a Problem Squared, the problem-solving podcast that follows the ABC principle. Always be coming up with solutions to problems. My name is Matt Parker, I'm 50% of your hosts, and I follow the ABC principle of always be calculating. It's in the calculations, not, not, okay, both, both actually, no, I think about it. Uh, <laughs> yeah,
1: there you are, skimming away in the corner right exactly.
0: now. Exactly. Hmm. You can't see
1: this, but Matt is yes, uh, I, I, wrapping I'm, his fingers I'm
0: together. Touching my matching fingertips one at a time to each other.
1: Yes. Is that, is that, is that,
0: is that the right pose? Symmetrically contact. It's like I'm it's
1: the tapping excellent. a finger.
0: Air excellent. Yeah. It is, isn't it? And I, as you've already heard, I'm joined by the other 50% <laughs> of the hosts. It's uh, Beck Hill who goes by the ABC policy of Always beck <laughs> Always be chill. Always be chill. You know what? Yeah. When I thought ABC, I was like, it's always be chill. Yeah. Comedian. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> people who have not yet enjoyed this, if you write Beck Hill as one word? It looks like be chill.
1: Yes. And people often think Beck may have never noticed that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Point it out to her. But if you put a K in there after the C, it completely ruins Broken. it.
0: <laughs> Such people would be dead to us.
1: No! <laughs>
0: <laughs> On this episode,
1: I'm going to help you make your farts smell less bad. Wow!
0: I've solved the problem of what makes a computer super.
1: And there will be so many other business.
0: Oh, so much any other business.
1: Let's do a show! <laughs>
0: How have you been?
1: Uh, good. Good? Good. Good. So Good. Good. As of this episode coming out, yep. my second book has come out. Oh my goodness. Live Screaming. Wow. Horror Heights. Nice. And I thought I would show you a little uh, thing. So, oh. obviously,
0: pop this out in the socials or link it in the show notes. No,
1: people can buy the book. Oh, you buy the book. <laughs> so, I was going to oh, show you me the entire book. How long I'm is this going to take? Page, a page from the book. Because uh, the protagonist is a kid called Ryan who wants to be a streamer. Gotcha. And he sort of gets trapped in the studio and body of his favorite streamer. Oh, wow. And there's a lot of chat that takes place in the chat room. Mm-hmm. So I needed a lot of names All right, that aren't, right. aren't real names so Uh-oh. that, you know, kids don't look yeah. them up and find someone problematic. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. look at that. He spoke slowly. My name is Grimph. And the first person in the chat.
0: Hey, it's me. Well, M-A-7-7-P-A-R-K-3-R. Oh, that's amazing. And who are yeah. the other people?
1: That is my editor and oh, nice. the, uh, the layout designer of should, the book. Should
0: I do my line for the audiobook version?
1: Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> we know.
1: There That's it. That's his line. You, that you. is Matt's one line. It appears on page 67 we'll for save anyone that reading clean, at home.
0: And you can just drop it in when you do the audiobook. And
1: I have popped you in the acknowledgements as well.
0: Oh, my I goodness.
1: I uh, Look at that. You're amongst one of the one of the uh, group of people who I ended I'm, up boring to death with.
0: Yes, I, I'm listed right before. It literally says a bunch of people, Matt Parker and everyone else who spent countless hours on the phone with me as I tried to unravel their story. I mean, I did it on the phone and and in front of a
1: fire. Yeah, and it really helped. One, one of the things we discussed around that fire ended up becoming quite a large moment there in you go. The book. So thank no you. No spoilers.
0: My pleasure. In fact, my uh, good news. Got an even better fire pit.
1: Oh, imagine. Look out for book three. Oh, my.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Because before, if you remember, it was a barbecue with the legs taken off.
1: Yes. Right. And by barbecue, I mean, it's like like a a half cut open oil drum.
0: Yeah. But even it's like a fake cut. It's like a fake half cut open oil. You know when something's like trying to pretend to be the improvised version. It's just yeah. terrible. We bought it from... It was a
1: piece of metal. It's a piece of metal. It's we got it for like super
0: it. cheap. Like it was the cheapest barbecue at one generic big, you know, mm. warehousey kind of um superstore. And for a long time, and I may have mentioned this on the podcast, I can't remember, I was caught in the getting a temporary fire pit loop where I'd be like, oh, I want to get a really cool geometric fire pit. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's going to take forever. I don't want to rush it, but I want a fire pit now so we can start, you know, Workshopping your stories.
1: Yeah, I'm burning my old receipts. And I was like,
0: I'll buy something super cheap, and then I'm like, oh, actually, if I spend a little bit more, I can get something still cheap, nice. but a little bit. I'm like, oh, I can get this one. Oh, I can get. Oh, wait, what if it was geometric? And then I'm like, ah. Oh, <laughs> while I'm working on that, I'll just get a quick cheap one, right? And I just yeah. <laughs> went around this cycle over and over and over again. I finally broken out of it because mm. someone emailed me and said, "Check out this fire pit I've made. Would you like it?" <gasps> and that that fixed the problem. What? So, the wonderful Stephen Mould hit a million subscribers just before me. Yes, we know. Not by much. And when he hit a million subs, I went and did a Q&A with him. Yes. Where we answered some questions people sent in. And we got discussing the notion of being Derek. What is, is Derek? Named after Derek, who does the Veritasium YouTube channel. Because on several occasions, Derek has put a video out on the exact same topic either Steve or I were working on. Ah. And so now, when you're working hard on a video idea and someone else releases it, we call that being derek
1: Right. And this isn't, the, Derek hasn't meant to do this. No, no, it's completely by
0: accident. He is just as good as coming up with great video ideas as myself and Steve.
1: Mm-hmm. And I wonder if he could help me with my next book. <laughs> no,
0: yeah, go straight to the source. <laughs> I mean, we've, we've just been copying every, his every move and pretending we were working on it anyway. So, <laughs> um, but I said, Steve had derek me. Yeah. Where I was planning a video on something called a tensegrity structure. And we're normally pretty good at communicating what we're working on. He just we just hadn't mentioned. So I was working on this video and suddenly Steve releases a video on that exact topic. And right. to be fair, did it really well. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's a shame. And th- these are structures where they look like they shouldn't work because they're they're only held up by cables. And you're like, what? How can you so you're suspend like a structure's like instead of being suspended by hanging down, mm. it's suspended by hanging up, and it's right. really weird. And I mentioned I was a big fan of these structures. Steve beat me to the video, and is it linked Derek a bit to, to like
1: how pulleys work?
0: Yeah, yeah, sort of. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because you, once you got tension in it, you mm. can pull something up.
1: Yes, yeah. With the yep, cable, yep, yep, absolutely.
0: Yep, yep. And so someone sent me. I'm going to show this to you. We'll we'll put it out on. Oh wow! Instagram. This is a fire pit. That is suspended, so you can see there's a yeah. chain in the middle that suspends the top, and it's held in place by other cables.
1: Yeah, there's actually no solid legs.
0: No solid legs
1: between the top and and the yep. floor. There's solid legs at the bottom. Cables and, and chains. This it looks a bit like a sh- a very shallow cauldron. Yeah,
0: yeah, I'd give that. Uh,
1: and then it's got a little sort of dippy bit, so it does have a a solid bit that comes down, but does not touch the ground. Nope and then that's attached by a chain that it's is going good up. to be it as a fire
0: pit because it doesn't scorch the ground or anything because the heat.
1: Oh yeah. The
0: top bowl heats up, but it's not it's got no direct connection. To yeah. The base. Yeah. That fire pit is now in my backyard. Oh. And we're yet to put a fire in it. So <gasps> Are tonight, you serious? yeah, yeah, tonight time? is the inaugural I'm so glad fire I brought pit fire.
1: The, oh, this. you got the
0: marshmallows. Yeah.
1: That that is the sound of a pack of giant marshmallows.
0: So I'm very excited. And so I got this fire pit. I ended up paying the person for it. I was like, let me buy yeah. this fire pit off you. Uh, and got it delivered. It's so good. And so this was Fusion Fireballs. I did not promise them they'd get any kind of shout out or mention, but, no, but it, it's such a cool fire pit.
1: Yeah, it looks amazing. We'll take a photo
0: of us enjoying it this evening.
1: And you're going to need a new one after tonight because I am going to fill it with so much marshmallow I've oh, dropped.
0: <laughs> you didn't bring like receipts and documents to dispose of this no, time? No, I forgot.
1: I forgot? I know. <laughs> now that you've got one big enough for me to use as yeah. shredder, I forgot. Oh, well. Next marshmallows. Time. Yeah, this time marshmallows.
0: Our first problem, and I think this is very much for you, Beck, is sent in by Professor Poopy Butthole. that's his pseudonym. <laughs> Hilarious Rick and Morty reference. Good work, everyone. And uh, <laughs> Professor P says, Can one produce less smelling or even well smelling farts by eating or drinking a certain food? Wow. It's not even, I guess it's just like, can they smell less based on what you eat and drink? Beck.
1: As in the farts. The farts. Of, yeah. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Can not,
0: you alter?
1: <laughs> not your the, whole factory. Not you smell Not less. Not the
0: smelling. Yeah, no, you, yeah, you, yeah. You, you won't smell less. It's
1: called COVID. Yeah.
0: <laughs> this simple solution. Right. Yeah. Next problem. <laughs> so can you alter the smell of your farts based on what you eat?
1: I love this question because I mean, it's, this problem. It's
0: perfect It's back. right
1: out my alley. <laughs> way Out my alley. Um. <laughs> Uh, because I mean, I'm sure I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but I have IBS, which has led me to be very open and honest and shameless about my bowel situation. Yeah,
0: and for the record, you've got the sense of humour that goes hand in hand. I think with you such have a candid to. approach. Oh, do you reckon what, what came first? What
1: I, I do you know what I think? I think the tummy and butt troubles came first. Really? Yeah, because I wasn't I wasn't really massively into like poo and I like. I thought bum stuff was funny as a kid, but fart See, jokes and stuff. I was well, a bit every like kid does. meh. But yeah. as I got older, and I realised, if I don't fart about it, I'm a fart. About it. <laughs> Keep <laughs> I'm gonna in. explode. <laughs> <laughs> if I don't laugh about it,
0: I'm gonna fart about it. Yeah. I,
1: <laughs> I would cry, like it is, because it is really embarrassing, and you've got to make a choice whether you whether you uh, sink into the shame or yeah
0: or. Or just bathe in it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And this is, I mean, mean, some of you listening will find this too much information. Others, you might relate. But uh, one thing I found being in a long-term relationship is uh, not only do I fart in my sleep, not only have I woken up my husband, Gav, by farting in my sleep, but I have woken him up not with the sound. Oh, just, just, just the smell. Just the smell. He wakes up and he's like, and there's been several times where I've woken up because he's getting out of bed to shut, to open, a, open window, a window. And I'm like, what are you doing out of bed? And he's like, oh, just letting in some air. And he's so sweet. Oh, I just fancy
0: hearing the street noise. <laughs> he
1: won't. In the past, I have been so worried about waking him up from it. Not that I'm like ashamed. I can't control that. No. I'm asleep. But I don't want his sleep to be ruined by it. And so there have been times in the past where I have been. So conscious of it that as soon as I start to feel my body relax to go to sleep, I get worried I'm about to oh, fart, no. and right. I quickly end up like running to the bathroom and being like, "Whatever I've eaten, like, yeah. get out the evil now!" No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. And I can't believe I've never actually looked into whether I can. It sounds stop so obvious it.
0: now. Uh, yeah. Now Professor Poopy Butthole brings it up.
1: So one thing I do know is that I tend to have those parts if I've eaten certain foods. Right. Uh, beans. I, it's a classic Cliche. one. But broccoli and cauliflower, Ooh. not I mean, not, not in sort of small quantities, but every now and then I've been known to have quite large quantities.
0: Did you keep like a food diary or something to discover this or is this just like anecdotal?
1: No, you just start to like make the connections. Okay. If I have a um, like a steak with a very garlicky, oniony sauce or something, that'll tend to... That'll bleed through. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. And so... Uh, I sort of was aware a little bit. and I looked into it. And one thing is that high protein diets Mm -hmm. creates hydrogen sulfide, which is... Uh, That's the rotten egg smell. It's the rotten egg smell. Yeah. So basically, if you're having very smelly farts, it might be because you've got a very high protein, high diet. I, I wasn't aware of this, but in my research, it was sort of supported quite a lot that a lot of bodybuilders oh. and stuff tend to sort of be known for having quite smelly farts. Right,
0: because they're like eating protein Pro- supplements and all this jazz. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I guess eggs have a lot of protein in them.
1: They do. Is
0: that what they smell like that when they go off or is that just a...
1: Ah, they- well, oh, I'm glad you asked because we've actually got a, a, an expert that will tell what? us a bit more about yes. it. Yeah. I reached out to Dr. C.K. Yao. yeah. From Monash University, oh wow, Melbourne, Melbourne, yep. Who did uh, a lot of research into this? Um, of course. About sort of five, five or so year, years ago, was able to answer some of my questions. But she's also on maternity leave oh. at the moment, and so I also contacted Dr. Jessica Berzikerski, who who is a senior lecturer and researcher at Monash University oh, as well. That's also in Melbourne. Yes, and Jessica has worked on similar things and is also currently doing a lot of research on eggs.
0: Oh, my goodness.
2: So I have an exact answer to your question. Literal expert. Right here. Hydrogen sulphide is the predominant sulphur gas that underlines that famous term of rotten egg gas. However, eggs don't make most of us actually fart, but they do contain sulphur-packed methionine. So fermentable carbohydrates such as oligosaccharides, resistant starch, non-starch polysaccharides, these fermentable carbohydrates, they are found in a wide variety of foods, garlic, onions, even wheat and rye products. Galacto oligosaccharides, found in beans and pulses can not actually be broken down in the small intestine and they pass through into the colon. There they undergo fermentation by bacteria producing gas. This gas can lead to the wind, flatulence, blow-off, pop-off, farts, whatever term you feel comfortable with. The composition of the gas produced varies, but mostly includes odourless gases such as nitrogen, oxygen, hydrogen, along with carbon dioxide and methane. When it comes to the smelly gases, or scientifically termed malodorous rectal gas, the characteristic unpleasant odour comes from trace amounts of sulphur compounds. Overcooking an egg leads to a really strong sulfurous odor. So the, the sulfur that is naturally contained in the egg whites actually reacts with the iron in the yolks, resulting in that discoloration, so that olive green ring that you might see appear around the yolk. And this is due to that sulfide formation. So cooking the yolk releases the iron and cooking the whites releases the hydrogen sulfur. And that rotten egg smell, especially when eggs are overcooked, is from the hydrogen, sulphur and iron reacting to create hydrogen sulphide. As a side note, if anyone has tried a preserved egg, also known as the the century egg or the thousand year egg, that unique traditional Chinese food, you would see that discoloration and smell that strong sulphurous odour. Now,
1: I know that pretty much answers the question.
0: Yeah, I think you've... But if, done it.
1: if there's one thing I know about our audience and the audiences who we've performed to yep. is that you can't have too much information. Oh, you cannot. So, I, I, so Dr. Jessica yep. has explained how the experiments were oh, done. Amazing.
0: Followed through with more detail.
2: Recently, Dr. C.K. Yao from Monash University used a novel in vitro gas profiling technology to assess real-time the hydrogen sulfide measurement and assess its production following exposure to different dietary factors. So Dr. C.K. Yao's research showed us that readily fermentable fibres, resistant starch and fructans can suppress hydrogen sulfide even in the presence of excessive hydrogen sulfide stimulation. She mixed slurries from freshly passed healthy human feces and added different carbohydrates, which ranged in their fermentation rate, and mixed it with cysteine alone or in different combinations. She used cysteine because we know that it's a major sulfur containing component of meat, eggs, dairy, and other types of protein. And she sampled the hydrogen sulfide release every five minutes over a four-hour period. The results showed that resistant starch suppressed hydrogen sulfide production by a, a mean of 89%. And the fructan also reduced the hydrogen sulfide production by a mean 82%. And interestingly, the addition of the fructans to the slurries that contained cysteine significantly suppressed hydrogen sulfide by 90 percent. So both resistant starch found in potatoes, bananas, legumes and some cereals and fructans found in wheat, rye, artichokes reduced hydrogen sulfide production. Mechanistically we know that these foods are highly fermentable meaning they are preferentially broken down ahead of protein. So hydrogen sulfide was not produced as much.
0: I'll make it very clear. All this gas sampling is not done in human. Yeah. It's a slurry in, I guess, a bucket or something in a lab. Yep.
1: This was one of the questions that Dr. C.K. Yao was able to answer for me because I said... When researching human gas emissions, do you have to collect samples? How is that done? Valid question. Because I like to think that they just had a bunch of people lined up. <laughs> they walk around with a little, little jar. A little, uh, yeah. Pull everyone's Far finger. Detector. yeah. While they, while they collect it. But Dr. CK said, it was a, the favorite question. Um, yes, my participants had to provide fresh fecal samples on demand.
2: Wow. In our
1: laboratory uh laboratory in our laboratory i'm thinking of lavatory because in our (laughs) lavatory laboratory lavatory yeah the lab lab and then she said they used to wait around for the time when they feel the urge to empty and collect them into a takeaway container i'm hoping it wasn't just a like a noodle box yeah uh and then she says quite a few of them had stage fright
0: yeah how about that yeah i think stage fright is still the wrong phrase to use yeah like, it's a very niche show.
1: Like, whenever I've seen films or TV shows where, you know, the joke is that, like, someone took a dump or, you know, in you know, they're like, oh, they took a dump in my on, on my lawn. Yeah, on my car.
0: Yeah, yeah I'm always yeah. like,
1: wow. I don't know how anyone have, could do that yeah, on exactly. demand. I
0: wouldn't have the confidence.
1: Yeah, because I would either. I, I don't know. When i got to go, i got to go. I'm not, I can't time it. Yeah. It controls me. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> What's wagging what around here?
1: <laughs> I also asked Dr. CK Yao about the fact that Gav and I often eat the exact same thing, oh, and yet, and yet, he's the one getting woken up in the middle of the night. Yep. Yeah. So she said it could be a lot of different factors, differences in the types or amounts of gut bacteria that break down protein or metabolize sulfate might be one. Anatomical differences, such as your large bowel passage uh, or transit, could be another oh. reason. The longer it is, the more time for fiber to be consumed by bacteria oh, yeah. and turn by breaking down protein. So I thought that was quite interesting. Bowl geometry. Yeah, yeah. Also, the, um, the amount of gas doesn't necessarily relate to the smell. Yeah,
0: because I guess it, some gas is odorless. Yes. And some gas is horrific.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had those answers as well. Of course, both Dr. Jessica and Dr. CK said if you are experiencing particularly smelly farts yeah, something that feels a bit unnatural uh, or unusual, definitely go see a doctor. So if it's not been ongoing and it's a new occurrence, speak to your doctor. It's a good rule of thumb. Yeah. Or yeah. even if it has been ongoing and you've never mentioned it to a doctor, maybe. Maybe go ask them. Yeah.
0: They're not going to be surprised or judge you about anything.
1: No, no, not at all. But I wasn't going to get stopped. We I mean, don't bring there, it in Matt. in a
0: takeaway container. But carry
1: Because I thought, right, we've sort of given some rough examples of ways that yeah. you could reduce your Roughage. smelly farts. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Well, actually, some in some cases, no.
0: Oh, well, Cab- yeah.
1: Cabbage will will make it worse. Oh, all right, gotcha. But I also wanted to see if there was anything in particular that was out there. Right. Which is when I came across a French website for the oui. for the pet pilil pet pilil. Pit pillu uh, or pillu pet. So pillu is pill, right? pet, fart. Oh. Fart pill. Fart pill. And it's, I'm going to show you a picture of the guy. I don't want to see this picture. Who has invented this. Oh.
0: For the record, Becca's looking this up online. It hasn't been saved on her. Oh, my goodness. It's like the Father Christmas of farting. That's incredible. Oh, my goodness. No, Okay. I take it back. It's somewhere between Father Christmas and a, a, uh, a gnome or some kind of magical being. There's, there's a theme park. Theme park's called Plopsaland. What? Plopsaland. I think it's in the Netherlands. I The first time I drove past the sign for Plopsaland, I lost my plop. Like, <laughs> that's the funniest thing I've seen in my life. And they've got, like, characters that advertise it. And he looks that's, – that's what that reminds me of.
1: Oh, right. Okay, it's not about
0: – <laughs> No, not, no, no, no. It's like, it's like a, a you know, a theme park, a perfectly family-friendly theme park. It just happens to have a very funny name to my, really to my cultural ears. No, it it's, a, not, it's not like a, a <laughs> poo-themed theme park. Although I have perfect. no doubt that exists. People don't write in and tell us.
1: So I asked Dr. Jessica Bukurski whether she <gasps> oh. thought – if, if these pills were far
0: Christmas has something
1: Yeah, so these pills apparently are meant to make your fart smell like roses.
0: Ha! <laughs> That's bold.
1: Yeah. That's not even just
0: neutralizing. That's the potpourri. To- wow.
1: Yeah, and the creator is someone called Lutin Malin. It says Lutin Malin is an inventor, winner of the gold medal in nineteen ninety nine at the prestigious Le Pin Inventors Contest in France.
0: Wow. Uh
1: there's loads of press. Never heard about of it before, this- but now I'm amazed. Yeah, all this stuff.
0: And they will take money in exchange for these pills?
1: They will. Now, I'm not sure if we're going to get a full ding on this one.
0: What, the pills specifically? Yeah. Right. But why? They sound so good.
1: I thought for the purposes of science.
0: Uh Uh-oh. You asked an expert, didn't you?
1: I didn't only do that, Matt. I Uh, ordered some. Oh, my God. Of course you did. (laughs) And they haven't arrived yet.
0: (laughs) Oh, my goodness.
1: But you get 60 pills. In a pack. So there is enough. There is plenty.
0: It wasn't the quantity of them that I was concerned about.
1: <laughs> what I'm saying is there is enough for both of us. Oh, good. Oh, okay. Yeah. Bring them next record. Oh, my goodness. And uh, we're going to find out whether they work for either of us. If we ever
0: a record in the cupboard. Oh, we'd be. We better.
1: We, yeah, I hope they work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But obviously, I didn't want to te- just be taking pills that we no, bought from the bought internet, from the internet. No. without checking with an expert first. So I checked it out.
2: I'm afraid I'm not aware of any science to actually support these claims. Ideally, in a scientific setting, we would set up a a series of studies to assess your faecal hydrogen sulfide response following manipulation with various substrates of which one of these pills could be one. Interestingly, there was a study a while ago to develop some sort of absorptive device where they hypothesized that activated charcoal and zinc may actually remove the sulfur gases and eliminate the smell if used either internally or externally, so around the anus. And in this study, they tested a charcoal-lined cushion that was instilled at the anus to absorb sulfur-containing gases. Although they only assessed this in eight subjects, they did show that it limited the escape of these sulphur-containing gases into the environment. I'll tag the papers um, below and, as a side note, look up charcoal fart pads. Interesting stuff.
0: That sounds like the polite science way of saying you've...
1: I've just the, wasted... you wasted your 19 money 19 euros. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> But, you know, let's wait till we get them. Give them a go.
1: Yeah. Well, one thing I wanted to do was make sure that the ingredients weren't going to be anything that was too dodgy. Oh, that's fair enough. Yeah, smart. Yeah. But I found that reading the list of ingredients sounded a, a little bit like the lyrics to a, a rather popular track. So I sent those ingredients.
0: You sent the ingredients for the fart I sent pills. the list
1: of ingredients of the fart pills, of the pet pillu, to a longtime listener. Good firm friend, yep. Gareth Turkington, right. wonderful actor and voice actor. Oh, here we go. And said, uh, could you do something with this? Oh, my goodness. And he sent this back.
0: Yep, yep, yep. Vegetal charcoal contributes
2: to the proper functioning of the intestinal tract. Fight Live! And release flatulence and the feeling of fullness after a meal.
0: Fight Live! The Escop and E2 have recognised the use of fennel seeds as a treatment for dyspepsia. Fight Live! can prevent gastric ulcers and dried blueberries relieve diarrhea. All oh, the papaloo! So many papaloo!
2: For
0: your fart life Okay, that's Gareth. Thank you very much. That's incredible. <laughs> that is uh, you've this is a comprehensive. I mean, I don't know how useful the song is for Professor Poopy Butthole Yes Name name redacted. But it cheered me up.
1: It's your new ringtone.
0: However, yeah, exactly. Um, that's how I open and close all my shows now. However, the, the very early on the type what was this type of starch? Resistant starch. Resistant starch and... Fructans. And fructans. I mean, you've I feel like you solved the problem and you've explored other avenues just to rule them out. Yes. In both peer reviewed science and parody song.
1: Yes. And so, we might yeah. even be able to recommend a pill at some point. We will find out.
0: At some point. But probably not. But I would say, even with that still pending, this is a ding. Yes. Ding.
1: (laughs) Have a dinglet for you, Matt. Right. This is from Benjamin. Yep. Who says, when does a computer become a supercomputer and do publicly purchasable personal computers surpass the capabilities... Of the first slash early supercomputers, if so, how much would it cost? By the way, that is a tongue twister. That is a heck
0: of a problem. There's yeah. a lot of
1: p's and c's in that one. A lot of p's and
0: c's, a lot of pops. Thank goodness we got pop guards on these uh, microphones.
1: I know, especially after the last problem.
0: So yes. So Benjamin, good question. When is a computer a supercomputer? It turns out, if it's just a really good computer, <laughs> that's there's no there's there's no hard and fast rule. It's just is, is, is your computer super? Yes. It's a supercomputer.
1: Are you serious? Yeah. It's just whether you name it a supercomputer? Well, it
0: basically means it's way more powerful than your standard computer. And if you have a standard computer like my laptop that's in front of us or my um, computer over there, mm. it's got a processor, which might have a couple cores, which are yeah. like processors within it.
1: Like I was going to say, every computer you use is going to be more powerful than probably the ones I use.
0: Yeah, probably, yes. That's because I do ridiculous com- computational things with them. Yeah. But they're still off-the-shelf computers with arguably one processor. Yeah. With, you know, again, sub subcores, all that jazz. Maybe a, a GPU, your graphical processor. Uh-huh. That's about it. And and it's very general purpose. Like, the I mean, the, the GPU is a bit closer to what a supercomputer would be because it's made for a very specific task. Uh-huh. Like, the reason you have a separate graphics processor is you can like you can build it from the ground up to be good at just doing the sorts of calculations you need for graphics. Whereas your CPU has got to be able to do whatever you throw at it. So it's very general purpose. A supercomputer is when you just get a lot of processes together to do a very specific task, like a type of calculation. And you just join a whole bunch of them together until you've got enough for it to be super. And that's kind of it.
1: So if we connected our... Oh my gosh, it's like Voltron. Or like the Power Rangers Zorg.
0: I'm going to go with Voltron. I'd also accept the Transformers when a bunch of them join together to make a big one. Yeah. Because you're right, you you just put a bunch together. Famously, people have made supercomputers out of like PlayStations. The US Air Force once joined together 176 PS3s because they can run a variation of Unix and they just joined them all together. And made a supercomputer.
1: That sounds like something you would have done for your YouTube channel.
0: Oh, it's so well. It, there is a whole. So I studied a little bit of computer science when I was at uni, and but the whole way of how you program things to distribute tasks to be done in parallel by all these processes is a is a huge area of research and undertaking. So these computers, you've got to then be able to run calculations on them that can be done in a meaningful manner across all these different processes at once and then bring it all back together but done properly it's incredible
1: see this is how i feel about how i this is like how the difference between how you function and i function (laughs) Like, I feel like yeah. I am just the PS3 and you're all the PS3s.
0: No, that's not true. That's definitely not true. No, I, I'm i like the very specific chip that just does one one thing, which is calculations.
1: Yeah, but you can do a lot of things at Whereas once. Well, you've
0: got a GUI. Yeah, that's true. Um, no, I'm gonna a, I can do I can multi-thread. No, Whereas I'm I an can, Etch-A-Sketch. I can skip between things. I always think, and this is a thing I've gone about a long time. No, it's going to be a whole distraction. Let's not do that. Yeah. I, much like an Etch-a-Sketch, if you shake me above your head, I forget what I'm meant to be doing too. So that's, a, oh, yeah, that's, that's an true. accurate... I've been, a
1: of magnetic filings.
0: I, <laughs> I have been inside two supercomputers in my life. I hope
1: you bought them dinner first. <laughs> well, no,
0: I am... Um, it's a family podcast. Um, do you want to guess where? Two, two supercomputers. Uh, so this is interesting. This is both where do you think a supercomputer would be uh-huh. and where do you think I would be able to go and get yeah. access to a supercomputer. Okay, well, I was... didn't get to run any processes. I literally just got to walk around. Is in...
1: one in Leicester?
0: No. Exeter. It was at the Met.
1: That is not what I was thinking. Oh,
0: you're right. Yeah, the, like the weather office that do all the calculations. Wait, that's in the
1: southwest? Yeah. Of the UK? Of the UK. The Met? Yeah. As in the Met Gala? Not the Met
0: Gala. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> the meteorological people. They've got supercomputers for predicting the weather.
1: Oh. Ah. Yeah.
0: And so they run all their simulations on it's basically like a server farm you're in a big room with just rack after rack of yeah. processors.
1: is it like what all of the whenever there's like a film with something to do with computers and someone has to go and like destroy the mainframe exactly that it's that exactly okay that.
0: and the other one Wait, is i want to guess oh, here we go yep not in the uk not in australia
1: okay the us
0: not in the us oh it's in europe denmark switzerland
1: oh because it's cold there and they could keep the computers cold?
0: That's a good, no but the amount of air like air conditioning as such like the ventilation stuff to keep these chips cool is yeah incredible undertaking. Huh. Soon, the Met Office emailed, we we're on tour with spoken nerd and said you're doing a show nearby. Do you want to drop by and see our supercomputer? I'm like, "Yes." <laughs> yeah. And soon I was there anyway doing some stuff, some other bits and pieces and I said, can I see your supercomputer? And they're like, yes, you may walk around in our supercomputer.
1: So when you say... So basically,
0: in, in all those cases, all you're really doing is you've just got a lot of processes all joined together. That said, you can still put a number on how big a computer is by how many floating point calculations it can do per second. And floating point just means doing calculations on a type of number that's got a decimal point. Mm-hmm. Which actually means you can have very big numbers and very small numbers. It's, it's the scientific notation of numbers. Yep. And you can measure how many of those per second a computer can do. So at the time of recording, Apple claim the iPhone 12 can do 11 billion floating point what? operations per second. So just to make this a bit easier, that's eleven followed by nine zeros.
1: It's a lot of zeros. So it's roughly
0: 10 to the power of 10. Yep. The current batch of supercomputers are doing roughly 10 to the power of 17 calculations per second. Wow. Which makes a supercomputer about 10 million times faster than an iPhone 12. Mm -hmm. Or to put it another way, to rival the current top supercomputers, you need to have 10 million iPhones joined together. Wow. And that's a phone, though. If you get a current Mac, like if you get one of the new M1 Macs and you just look at their GPUs, so the graphics chip, mm-hmm. which is the kind of chips you probably want to use in a supercomputer, they claim they're doing on the order of two and a half trillion calculations per second. Oh, which is way more, yeah. Because obviously it's a much bigger chip; it's got better ability to remove heat, all those things. That we're talking—that's only like one hundred thousandth of a supercomputer. So, one hundred thousand Mac laptops could give you a top supercomputer. I mean, obviously you far fewer. This is why there's only a couple hundred PS3s. Like, it depends how many you need. But the absolute best supercomputers at the moment would be still on the order of hundreds of thousands of laptops.
1: Right. But if you were going for the lowest.
0: You, yeah, yeah, far fewer. Yeah.
1: What you're saying is the difference is a computer or 100 PS3s.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, give, or, give or take. Give or take. But the question from Benjamin was, when does it become a supercomputer? And how does it compare to ones of the past? Mm. Because if you think if you think about it, computers get oh, more and more Oh, we got there in powerful. the end. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I'm working my, way around. Uh, working my way around to Benjamin's problem here. And so there's a thing called Moore's Law where computers get twice as powerful every two years. Ah. As a general rule of thumb, every two years, chips are roughly t- twice as Why don't as you just
1: say one times as powerful every, every one year?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I will leave that to you to work out.
1: <laughs> or zero times Zero powerful. times every
0: zero. Yeah, so Moore's Law predicts that computers get faster. So, And Moore's Law is held for like half a century now. Partly because chip manufacturers use it to set their targets. So it's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy at this point. I uh, gotcha, Yeah. But it, it still means if you want to roughly work out what's going to be happening in the future, you can use it as a, as a very vague guide. This means if you wait for an iPhone to catch up to the current best supercomputers, it's going to take about 46 years. Oh my goodness, So phones
1: potentially within our lifetime.
0: Yeah, so the supercomputers now, potentially once we're super old, how does this thing work? We'll be using phones with the same computing power as the absolute best Uh, computers now. it'll be a chip
1: in our heads by then.
0: Whereas a laptop, a Mac laptop, should eclipse the current best supercomputers in about 30 years.
1: Wow. Give
0: or take. But then I was like, well, you know what? I'm I'm talking about the future.
1: I could predict the weather on my own computer. Exactly. And your own phone. But... And I, I wouldn't put it
0: past our listeners to wait and check in 30 and 46 years respectively, <laughs> but we can look backwards oh, yeah. and say, if I say a phone in 46 years from now will be the equivalent of a modern supercomputer, if I say a phone in 46 years, let's say 50 years from now, will be the equivalent of today's supercomputer, is a phone now the equivalent of a supercomputer from 50 years ago when the first craze were coming out? They were great supercomputers. They had a bench built in so you could sit down while they're doing a calculation. I love the Cray, the original Cray supercomputers. So I looked back and the old Crays were doing about 160 million floating point calculations per second. Okay. Which is the equivalent of 68 and three quarter iPhone 12s, which is on the order of, Give or take 1% of a modern iPhone 12. So actually, a modern iPhone, the cutting edge iPhone, is about 70 times more powerful than a supercomputer from 1975.
1: Oh, my goodness. This is terrifying,
0: that is. It is terrifying. So there you are, Benjamin. I hope that answers your question. Um, Yes, about 50 years and a phone would be the equivalent to a supercomputer. Dang that Thank you. Now it's time to take care of any AO a business. Beck, what have we got in the AOB inbox this time?
1: Yeah, someone wrote in to us to say, I think you need a website slash wiki page so that we can easily see the previous questions asked and their solutions. Oof. There, you could also include links to your sources or the spreadsheet slash code Matt makes for certain problems as yep. well as pictures. Oh. I think that's a great idea. That's I mean,
0: a great idea. Who, uh, who said that in? Matthew. Matthew. Not me, by the way. Not you. I mean, I agree with Matthew, though. So do I. Because but, I, forget why, honestly, are... I forget what we've done in this podcast. The problem with the podcast is it's very conversational. We mean that in like a literal sense. We just sit down and chat. Yeah. And that becomes the podcast.
1: Yeah, and then and then Lauren, the producer,
0: turns it into like makes it sound good, makes it sound like a legitimate
1: all of our hours,
0: hours of ramble. Yeah, no two consecutive words are left next to each other once the edit is done. Yeah, that's right. It's totally, totally reconstructed from <laughs> the ground up. <laughs> Lauren has to
1: cut out every word, and then she has a little soundboard. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> just just plays it back in again.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so,
0: I mean, I forget what we've talked about, And if I've mentioned stuff on the podcast. So, a wiki would be really useful.
1: Yeah, but we are not. We're not. Making we haven't got. A, we haven't got the not time or time. resources
0: for that. No. If anyone wants to make a wiki, we will do whatever we can to help. Yes. We can make the assets available. From from the episodes, yeah, yep. As in, like all the pictures and stuff we share, files and stuff. I put some code on GitHub, but I could be better at that. Happy to, you know, it's terrible code though. But yeah, anyway. But some kind of definitive list, just even a bare bones outline of all the problems we've solved in the world, <laughs> yeah. and then we can count them. We'll know how many dings have we had.
1: Yeah, because yeah. when
0: when's the hundredth thing coming up? I a, think we've already had it. No. Yeah. This is episode zero three three. There's no way we've averaged three dings. We an episode. did some. We
1: did some quick fire ones.
0: Oh, that's a good point. But even then, I swear the average is going to be between one and two. The point is. The point is.
1: If uh, if anyone out there wants to undertake a project,
0: yeah, get in us.
1: touch. Get in touch. Get us, us on problemsquared. Com. Yeah. Go to the or problem it. page. It's, it's the. Internet. Or just do it. Go like, wild. Yeah, yeah. Let us know.
0: Thank you so much to all of our listeners who, by definition, listen to the podcast. Some of you review it and share it. Greatly appreciated. We thoroughly enjoy being able to sit down and make this. But let's not forget the most important people that make this happen um, is us. So, what on us, <laughs> but on top of that. See, I do that just just to make Beck laugh. I'm just about to make to sure thank, I'm listening. Exactly, uh, just to check. Because you think I'm going to thank the Patreon supporters? I do. And I thanked us again. You did. Oh, go what do us. you like? But anyway, the Patreon supporters are why we're able to pay the bills and um, keep... Expensive for, uh, fart pills. Oh, my goodness. You've spent more on fart pills than ever before in this episode. Um, <laughs> and I picked three names completely at random, rigorously at random, and we thank them, which this episode is Andy Harney,
1: Bernard Deba,
0: and David Verres. Verres? Yeah. Verres. Yeah. I think that's
1: Ferris. Thanks,
0: Dave. (laughs) This episode of A Problem Squared featured Beck Hill and myself, Matt Parker. It was produced and somehow edited by the notorious (laughs) LAC, Lauren Armstrong Carter. Oh, and back. Oh, I put put my deck down. Hang on, sorry. Uh, In the interest of full transparency, we're recording this the same day as the previous episode, so I haven't had a chance to go and get my actual deck. So once again, I'm clutching at cards. Is this your card?
1: No.
0: (laughs) So unfair. Next time.